Welcome to another episode of Too Young to Be This Old. I am Ben, and I am joined today by another host that we have. I'd like to welcome Michael, the first MJC today. How is it going? It's weird. I don't care about wrestling right now, so I don't know what I'm doing here exactly. I was about to say, it's, it's quite different, and it's also weird not having Andy here, but uh, we learned as we were talking about this topic, it wasn't one that he cared too much about. We're going to dive right into it. We have joked about this on Twitter back and forth a few times, something we've talked about when we've recorded before. We are going to talk about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and since we're not sure where this is going to go, we'll let you know we're focusing specifically on the first three seasons, which were known as the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. A.K.A. the good Power Rangers, or the best. There least. you go. I, I, we'll go with the best. We'll go with the best. Yes. Um. So... Brief fact, debuted in 1993, um, produced by Saban here in the USF, or the USS, woo, the <laughs> USA. And uh, it was actually using footage from the Toei Company, uh, from the original Japanese series, and I'm not going to attempt to butcher the name uh, that they called it in Japan. But interesting fact about Toei Company, also the reason that we have shows like Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball here in the States. So. What was your first kind of introduction into uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Uh, when Since uh, we brought up like doing this episode the last couple of days, I've been trying to think of what got me into it because I, I remember being really big into it kindergarten, preschool era, uh, which would have been like, I guess, two to three years down its run because it came out in 93. I wasn't in kindergarten until like 95, 96. So, I, I don't remember how I got into it. I just remember it was the only thing I cared about in kindergarten, preschool era. And right. my earliest memory of it is a kid bringing in the the Megazord into mm -hmm. show and tell and just being super envious because I think that show and tell I brought like one of the pieces. I don't even know which piece I brought, but I didn't have the full Megazord yet. So I was like, oh, I'm going to bring the Red Rangers dinosaur is going to be cool and then this little fucker brought in the whole damn thing and i was just, just like shamed yeah just showed you up there uh, yeah so that's my earliest memory how about you i can remember uh 6 30 in the morning uh before kindergarten for me because i think i i think i started a, i know we're the same age but i think i started before you because my birthday's in january yeah, I'm, I'm in November, so I miss that first year. It's like September right. is the cutoff year in Illinois. Yep, yep, okay. So yeah, I can remember uh, kindergarten and first grade. It was wake up at 6.30, watch Power Rangers before I went to school every day, uh, going out on the playground with my friends, Power Rangering it up as we would, getting yelled at for swinging at each other. People thought we were fighting, and we had to explain what was happening. Um, I have a similar show-and-tell story to, to yours. This first Megazord, I did not actually get till I was 26 years old. Um, I found one, but I had a show and tell in first grade where the kid brought three of the pieces in, and I had every Megazord but the OG Dinosaur. Okay. So I was like, I want it. And I'm not one to steal things, but it's the closest I probably ever came to stealing something from someone was <laughs> three pieces of the Megazord. 
So that uh, the, that's awesome. The, the things that your little kid brain works out when you really fall in love with the show. Um, and for a show, the concept is so simple. Um, the opening episode, we kind of get, and I mean, of course, also, anytime you hear the intro, it's alpha. We need teenagers with attitude. So everything needed attitude back then. (laughs) Everything in the nineties was about attitude and neon. Two very important things. Yes. So we get five teenagers that are granted the power to defend the world, which I love how they say defend the world. What they really mean is this small town in California that is known as angel Grove. Who Rita Repulsa is just obsessed with and is just always watching from her telescope. Like has the whole world to mess with. Oh Yeah whole world to mess with, but in the show, she's messing with this specific town. Um, as we said, evil Empress Rita, and it is Zordon, Eltar, and his sidekick Alpha 5 that kind of give us this group of what we will know as Power Rangers. Uh, the original five Rangers were Jason, who was portrayed by Austin St. John. He was the Red Ranger, and for the early part of the series, the leader. He did not... Uh, the one true leader. The, the one true leader uh, for me i think yeah so so you were always a jason fan like he was the one yes okay yes he was the one i never trusted tommy okay okay see i have i have such so much tommy love but i think it's just because his longevity which we'll talk about later um we had kimberly portrayed by amy joe johnson who was the pink ranger and i know it was my first crush I don't. I don't know about everybody else. I'm just going to make the assumption. Pretty much every. No, no. I, th- I think it's, it's everyone's first cross. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like you don't even know, you you like girls, but in kindergarten you're like, I like her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, she actually went on to have a little bit of a career. She was in the show Felicity. She was in another show. I think it was called Flashpoint. When she was a little older. Flashpoint. Yeah. The 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 crime show. Right. It's like yes. a Canadian crime show or something. Yep, that's the one. I thought I was imagining it. Thank you for letting me know that I was not. Um, I found out because it's on some uh, TV channel you can only get with an antenna called Ion, which I think is like family programming. Uh, And uh, I saw it one day and I was just like, is Amy Chow Johnson? And it, it totally is. And she was also in the Disney original movie, Susie Q. Which I fucking love that movie I, yep. like that is one of my favorite disney movies because and it was amy joe johnson so yeah that, that i think that is when people developed a crush for her probably more than power rangers is when i saw her in suzy q yeah I, I don't or at least for me there. i don't think you're wrong there uh next ranger we had was uh, trini who was played by Ty train uh that was the yellow ranger the only other thing i saw her in is she was in like a crow movie but it was like the third crow movie when it was straight to dvd Um, yeah and then she passed away shortly after that uh yes uh in 2001 from a car accident and it was actually september 10th 2000 Mm. that she passed away so um then we have zach who was portrayed by walter emmanuel jones he was the Black Ranger and only had four fingers on one of his hands, which is... Oh, don't tell me insane. that. I'm going to... What? 
I, I I think it's in like one of the first five episodes. There is a very vivid point that you can see it at, but he uh, he only has a uh, four fingers. You're breaking my mind right now. I'm gonna have to. I was watching episodes earlier and I didn't notice that. I never noticed it till I read about it, and then it suddenly was all like it's everything I looked for in every scene was that. Um, he definitely brought the swag to being a Power Ranger, though. The the dance hop keto whatever he wanted to call it was very interesting to see as a, a young white yeah. child. <laughs> and then rounding up the last of the originals, we have Billy, who was portrayed by David Yost. He was the Blue Ranger and had the big brain power. Um, interesting the way they named him. His full name in the show was Billy Cranston. And that was a nod to Brian Cranston, who actually voiced a couple of the villains for the original Power Ranger series. Like, uncredited until, like, Breaking Bad came out, right? And then he said he voiced it, and then they, like, retroactively credited him? Because I don't know if he ever was, like, in the credits for that. I just remember it, I, it being I, a big thing because of Breaking Bad. Yeah. I want to say it was either Breaking Bad or when he was announced as Zordon for the reboot Power Rangers back in 2016. Mm. Okay. It was it was one of those two, but yeah, he was uncredited because everything uh, in the original Power Rangers was it was non-unionized, so there was no Screen Actors Guild or anything like that involved in any of the making of the original. So they got away with not crediting a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, this was a last-minute addition for me. I completely forgot about Bulk and Skull as like needing to be talked about until after I wrote everything. Yeah. And the biggest I reason... hate them. <laughs> I never liked them in the show. Um, but Paul Shearer on Instagram is hilarious. They did a D and D session called Power Rangers Hyperforce, where he was a big mm-hmm. part of it where they would bring in old uh, Ranger actors. And it has unofficially become a canon season of Power Rangers. So if you're into... That's, that's kind of great. It is. If you're into podcasts like Critical Role and things like that, definitely something to check out. Um, I listened through it well after the fact, but it was really cool because you had... Uh, he was an everyday character in there. You had the, uh, the second Pink Ranger show up. You had Aisha... Uh, come in and do some, and then even Jason David Frank, who we'll talk about later, came in and portrayed many of his iterations in Power Rangers. Uh, but interesting thing about Paul is also he went on to produce later seasons of Power Rangers and voiced uh, a few characters in, I think it was the uh, Time Force and Wild, uh, or Lost Galaxy season. So, yep, milking that Power Ranger money. And then Jason Narvi, who now does uh, Shakespearean plays over in Great Britain, originally auditioned for the role of Billy. And of course, they decided to give him the role of Skull instead. God, that would have been so weird, uh, yeah. seeing him as Billy. I, I couldn't see it in the show um, at all. But reading uh, some of the newer Boom comics, I could kind of see the characters intertwining at that point. Uh, just mm-hmm. from the way they describe some of the stuff. Uh, before we get into some of the arcs, let's break down a basic episode of Power Rangers. Um, since 
I mean, the whole first season was like 40 episodes long, it felt like. And it basically followed. It, yeah, it is. Um, I'll let I'll let you take lead on. Um, I mean, episodes have a pretty basic formula. It's just kind of the kids in often are either in school or in their cool juice bar gymnasium workout room doing some show off stuff of like, look how cool and young and hip we are. Uh, Bulk and Scully would do some shit. And then we would get put into Rita's plan, right? Like it would usually follow what Rita's going to do, what the gimmick is. Uh, episodes that come to mind are like two of my favorite episodes are like the punk uh, Power Ranger punks episode. Um, and then, and that one is just, they, they start with the volleyball game and then one of Rita's minions decides to spike their drinks and make some poison to turn the Power Rangers into bad kids. Uh, and then we just get a little bit of the arc and then it just leads to random putty battles. And then Rita gets fed up and then makes her monsters grow. Then we get the transformation of like the Megazord forming. We get the big yep. monster robot battle. It ends, gets resolved. And then the episodes always usually end with Bulk and Scully making an ass out of themselves and then everyone laughing. And then that's an episode of Power Rangers. And that yep, is like that the is... formula, at least for the first two seasons. Yes, it is. Uh, they mix in a few arcs where we don't get the quite the same ending, but that is basically intro scene. <laughs> Rita takes something from intro scene, turns it into the villain, defeat villain with some of the earlier seasons. They don't go Megazord. They use the power blaster. In a mm, yeah, I forgot about that. But that's usually power blaster destroys them. And then uh, they, they come back and have to be defeated again. Um, I think one of the more memorable villains for me, and probably because I had the toy as a child, was uh, the pig. Oh yeah, yeah. The, 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 the pig. Was just, what was his name? Uh, his it. Oh, pudgy pig. He was okay. really just a pig that wore like a Roman centennial helmet. But when I say pig, I mean he was just the head of a pig with little arms and little legs. The toy you had was it a little rubberized a little bit? Yes. Or was it hard he, plastic? Because I had one that was like rubber, like a hard plastic for like his helmet, but like his actual body was like rubbery. Um, no, mine, I had was, of him. mine was all plastic, but you could pull down like the Centurion helmet and it would open his mouth. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I, I had that and like the, I don't know if you remember the transforming Power Rangers where their head flips the head flip. to their human head. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had all those. I still had the complete set. Oh, you lucky son of a bitch. I wish I had yeah. them still. Yeah. We'll we'll get into my unhealthy obsession with Power Ranger toys a little bit later. Yeah. The the first real arc we have where a story carries over for multiple episodes uh was the Green with Evil arc, which um introduced us to a new student that came to the school, Tommy Oliver, uh portrayed by Jason David Frank. Um he gets put under a spell by Rita, and this is a five-part episode where it's the first time we ever see the Power Rangers vulnerable. Yes. Because he gives them the business for five straight episodes 
and then they break the sword of darkness, which was a big part of Rita's spell. And then he's like, I'm a good guy now. Let's beat Rita and stop all this bad stuff I did. You know, super quick. That's how that's how turns happen. Yeah. Straight big show. He'll face <laughs> turn. On this yeah. One. And that gives us uh, our number six range. So, yeah. Number six. Yeah, uh, Tommy especially was interesting because like kid shows, we hear about it now from creators from kid shows in the 90s, but networks are really against story arcs that would involve kids watching like the same story over five episodes. Usually kid shows are self-contained episodes because they get moved around all the time. Uh, I think it wasn't until like maybe like the X-Men cartoon that started to push like a long serialized then. And even then they would have to like kind of trick how they would do like story arcs where they would have to just like do self-contained episodes that just have a little sprinkle of an overarching story. And the Power Rangers is the first kid shows that I, that I remember with this arc that you needed to watch all of the episodes. They weren't self-contained. They led right into the next one. And it was, it was a huge thing, at least for, you know, like a kid that like, it was like the first time I had like scheduled viewing of like, I need to see what happens next Saturday. Cause uh, Power Rangers in my area, I think it was just once a week, every Saturday. It was part new, of the Saturday the morning cartoon. The yeah. New the new episodes. Yeah. And, and usually just play the greatest hits or whatever the during the week. Yeah. Uh, so I remember the Green Ranger arc being like the first time there was a TV show where it's just like, I need to make sure I tune in next week to watch it. Uh, Cause it was, it was, that was huge for a kid show, or at least that was like one of the first kid shows outside of the X-Men cartoon that I remember there being like a consistent story arc. And Tommy was a son of a bitch uh, as a Green <laughs> Ranger. Cause he, he not only messed up the Power Rangers as a Green Ranger, but he also kind of like messed up anything that Jason had going uh, with Kimberly. You know, like he there was a little <laughs> bit of like a romance arc. There was definitely a romance arc between Tommy and Kimberly, but like the Jason and Kimberly stuff was always just kind of like thinly there. And then that I always felt like completely derailed anything happening there oh, uh, for, for that arc. Uh, so he was killing the Power Rangers from like two sides, uh, which yeah. I thought was like really great uh, for like it an was... arc, especially for a kid show. Oh, yeah. And it was also great that the way they bring him up, because for so long, Jason's been our de facto leader. And we see him do this martial arts stuff all the time. And he's like, oh, dude, he's a badass martial artist. And then Tommy comes along and is like, oh, shit, he's just as good. This is the first time we've seen any character that's not a ranger or a monster be on equal footing with Jason. So mm -hmm. it was definitely interesting to see. Even if you didn't like the Green Ranger, the dragon shield chest protector he had was awesome. And I always loved when he would transfer that to the other rangers later in the series. Yes, that, that was such a cool look. Like, I hated him, but I still had a Green Ranger yep. toy, and I got that White Ranger toy as well. Yep. And I even had the... Uh, the tiger zord was his uh i had the flute um uh, the dragon zord would have been the flute the, the dragon zord so i had the dragon zord flute uh in the song that he would have to do and i That's remember awesome. going to i would go to lake michigan with it and anytime we went to lake michigan i had to bring that with me in hopes that if i, I played think... it it would come out of the water 
So let uh, me mess with your head real quick about the dragon dagger. Let's talk about it for a minute. It's a dagger that is played by somebody that has a mouthpiece covering their yeah. mouth so that air cannot come through. It's a flute that plays synthesizer tunes. Yes. And if you want, if you want to know the questions that keep me up at night, there's one of them. How did it work? And <laughs> he presses fingers against the sharp part of the blade to change yes. up the synthesized sound. So yep. yes, and the same blade he would use to kill putties. Yep. Yeah. So it made no sense, but here we are. Uh, some interesting facts about Jason David Frank. Uh, he was originally the lead in the series VR Troopers, which started shortly after the success of Power Rangers. But after the pilot, they're like, ah, we're going to go with somebody else. But we have this idea for the Green Ranger. So they brought him on to there. Um, Host Ranger Life, he is an undefeated MMA fighter. Yes. And uh, he did a lot of work for the uh, Fat in the Sun YouTube channel. Um, actually brought to life originally the character of Deadshot from the Ninjak versus universe, which just recently got a very shitty Din, D Din Diesel movie. Okay. And he holds the record for most appearances of in any episodes of Power Rangers, and it's by a long shot, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Um. So around the time that the Green with Evil arc has happened and the uh, end of season one begins winding down, they realize that they've already gone through all the footage from the Japanese show. Mm -hmm. So they commissioned 25 new monsters and request that the cast film more scenes with the original Japanese cast so that uh, they have more footage to use in the show. So it actually spawned for the first time in the Japanese series like a little like mini episode or a mini series so that they could get more footage yeah. for the Rangers, which I thought was really interesting. Um, another thing that I thought was just an attention to detail thing that as a child, I never would have thought of, but now as an adult, when I go back and watch some of this stuff, they got the actress that played Rita to say stuff in English phonetically so that when they were dubbing, whatever the English voice actress was saying, they would have different different uh, reels they could use to make it flow better and look better. Mm -hmm. Which you can definitely tell it's dubbed, but it's not the horrendous dub that we were kind of used to in the late 80s, early 90s of like your Enter the Dragons and stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny, for the longest time, at least as a kid, I didn't realize it was dubbed until someone pointed it out. Uh, and I think I just my ignorance, I just blame on the fact that like televisions weren't as crystal clear as before. So back then, unlike my TV, that was like probably like a 24 inch TV in the family room. I never noticed that it was really dubbed until you until you, like you watch like on a bigger screen or like an HD of just like, oh, my God, this is horribly dubbed. And you don't see that go away until they do these changes, because that first season, it's like real like they didn't even try. <laughs> no. And then they once they go audience. through the footage. Yeah. Yeah, they knew their audience for sure. Um yeah. to end season one, we get the arrival of our next villain, which is gonna carry on. And this is when what, what Michael was just talking about, where the cast moves more towards they're getting the Japanese cast to actually film stuff for them specifically, but allows them to do a lot more with the villains and things like that. 
we get the villain Lord Zed, who was nightmare fueled for me as a child. Yes, he was weird uh, looking, cool looking design if you think about it now. But as a kid, that yeah. that was horrifying to look yes. at. It was like the OG pinhead, just like that dude is made of metal and muscles, and I don't like any of it. Nope. I can see his brain. <laughs> Um, but but he shows yeah, up you can see a lot more than brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Uh, but he arrives on the scene and is like, Rita's a failure. Uh, be gone. He banishes her. And then suddenly he's like, all right, Power Rangers don't need dinosaurs anymore. Let me crush those and destroy them. Um, basically forcing Zordon to reveal that the Power Rangers have more power. They completely sacrifice because the Zords had this weird thing where even when they were defeated they would like go back into Earth and recharge mm-hmm. before they could be used again. And basically they go to recharge and the Power Rangers just sacrifice them to get the Thunder Zords. So now when we hear our typical morphing sequence instead of hearing the classic uh it's morphing time, Tyrannosaurus, Pterodactyl, so on and so forth. It's you know Red Dragon uh, and just the stupid names. I didn't yes. like it. I didn't like it when the morphine scene transferred. Wasn't a big fan. Um, I liked the way they looked, but the the morphine time thing was a weird change. Yes. Um, the upgrade levels the playing field for the Rangers against Zed. Zed also had putties that were way stronger, but had the huge weakness. They had the Z chess guards. And they yes, had to get I, I love that. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're tougher, but we have this huge glaring weakness to defeat us. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, How did you still... feel about... Can I, sorry to interrupt. How did you no, feel no, about ahead. the putties? Because the, the putties were like nightmare fuel for a little bit when I was a kid. Just the idea that 10 of them can just teleport anywhere, and then they make that horrible putty sound. That, that the, annoying... The putty sound, yeah. The putty yeah, sound I, is terrifying. Um, right? When I was okay. Here. Yeah, yeah, they, no, they were horrifying. You're completely not wrong there. The fact that they were basically just like a never-ending stream of enemies, uh, mm-hmm. that was terrifying. The Like you've mentioned, the unpredictability, they could appear out of nowhere. They, they, had, they did not follow logic of any sort or any reason. They just like flailed their arms and did kung fu. And, you know, yeah, like, and like they did super back weird. Fu. They did back kung fu, so that made them like a little less intimidating. Um. I feel like as the series went on, they became less intimidating because there were more and more times where the Rangers weren't even morphing to take them out. And that, to me, is the shift. was like, oh, they don't even need to morph to fight these guys. They're no big deal. And then, like, I was okay with buddies. Until Zed's buddies came around. (laughs) It's like the first couple times they were in Zed's, they're like, I don't know what to do. I beat them. Yeah, like there's a shift like probably halfway through season one where they just straight up just stop morphing and it's after they beat the putties, they kind of just go back to doing what they normally do. Right. Uh, like it's hilarious that transition of like the the they're just doing like so my favorite episode that I mentioned, the punk one, like they're playing volleyball, the putties morph in or like like teleport in. They fight to fight for like a minute or two minutes. The putties are all defeated. They knock down, and then they, they go back to playing volleyball. Like nothing happened. Like that's how right. insignificant the putties were until Zed came and yep. gave them more power. Right. The episode you're mentioning, 
So that's the episode where only Billy and Kimberly actually drank the juice. Yes. And like the next day they show up to school in leather jackets. Billy has his it's hair just, slicked back and is not wearing his glasses and stuff like that. Is that? It's sunglasses, I think he's wearing yep, like yep, the entire time. Okay. Yep. 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 And Kimberly's wearing uh, like a too tight of an outfit for a kid's show sort of get uh, up. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's weird. And like they're bullying Bulk and Skull. Uh, and like yep. it's, it's, it's a weird episode. It's just always when I like stuck out to me just cause like yep. the acting was never great. But that episode in particular, the acting from from Billy and Kim are really, really cringe. But I still love it. Yeah, it's a it's funny you said that because it took me a second to remember the episode. But when, once you talked about it again, I was like, wait a second. I know exactly what episode he's talking about here. Um, of course, the upgrade the Rangers get to the Thunderzord uh, to level the playing field. Uh, leaves Tommy at a disadvantage because without going too far in the weeds on how Power Rangers power works, his morpher was not connected to the morphing grid in the same way that the other Rangers power morpher was connected. So he's like his own entity. Which mm-hmm. creates this problem of him not being able to get power-ups like everybody else does. Um, Rita had kind of focused on trying to get him to lose all his power. When she was still around, Zed takes it to the next level because the only reason Tommy's still able to morph is like Zordon's charging his power coin from time to time. Yeah. And that is a huge part of season two is basically them trying to disable the Green Ranger. And in order to save the other Rangers, Tommy actually just destroys his power coin because of a, a trap Zed had placed for them, which led into the next big arc that we saw in Ranger history, which was the White Light arc. This one had me on more edge than the Green with Evil arc, because for some reason, even though it's only two episodes, the situation felt so much more dire in these two episodes than it did in the the five Green with Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason I say that is because, like, Zordon and Alpha disappear, and the Rangers are left on their own, a man down, basically, because Tommy's nowhere to be found. They just have no clue what's going on. It's one of the first times we see, like, I feel like we see the Rangers end on true defeat. Was the end of uh, oh, the first White Light episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it seemed like in Green with Evil, they always had a plan going forward. Yeah, hope uh, was never lost really yeah and that until this it was like devastating yeah uh we then discovered that zordon alpha have been gone in order to create a new ranger and we get the white ranger and this is going to be a big reveal of who it is and if you've followed along with what's going on and you're over the age of you know 12 which i was not at this time you would know who it's going to be but it was still just such a big surprise when it was tommy for little me anyway no, like, no, I, I remember being surprised. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But but as you said there as well, uh, Tommy now becomes the leader, which I'm assuming you had problems with. Yes, uh, <laughs> as someone who, is the, who alternated between the Red Power Ranger and Spider-Man for Halloween for like four years in a row, I was kind of <laughs> devastated by the idea that uh, Jason was going to have to uh, give up his position uh but knowing 
how the Red Ranger would change over time. I, I accepted Tommy eventually as the cast changed. Right. Uh, but Jason was still the Red Ranger and the leader by default for me. <laughs> it's funny. Um, my mom has a timeline of all my Halloween costumes. And I like I went from being Michelangelo Ninja Turtle to Blue Ranger to White Ranger to just being a ninja for like three straight years. I would so. just alternate uh, between <laughs> Spider-Man from the animated series and, and Red Ranger. Uh, keeping it simple there. Yeah. Uh, you did mention it. Uh, in order to hide the fact that the actors were not happy with what they were being paid, uh, Jason Trini and Zach are uh, selected to go to a peace conference. And it creates a transfer of power to three new rangers. Um, there's been some discussion over the exact reasons why they left. Um, Austin St. John has been on record saying that it was pay. Um, Amy Jo Johnson has come up and said that they wanted to unionize, but instead of letting them unionize, they were all just removed from filming. Uh, so truth probably somewhere in the middle, but either way, it just sounds like they were dealing with some shitty working conditions. Uh, so they got three new fresh faces, which were Rocky, who became the new Red Ranger. How did you feel about Rocky Seven's boy shoes? Uh, I don't know. I just felt like he just never was a strong character. Um, the actor was fine, but something about Rocky just never really worked for me for whatever reason. Uh, like, actually, I no, go on. I was gonna say he was like the hillbilly ranger to me. Kind of, like yeah. For some reason, he had like a his accent and the way he talked connected with me the most, but it didn't fit in with everybody else. Because they're like a California-based team, or at least I always associated them with California. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's California. Uh, yeah, I don't it know. Is. He just never fit in properly for me, for whatever reason. Uh, can't kinda... really explain why, other than the fact that Jason was yeah. the Red Ranger, so it was just like, I wasn't going to accept that. Right. Uh, uh, we get Aisha as the new Yellow Ranger. Um, I liked her. She was fine. Yeah, I was so mad on the Yellow Ranger in general that you could put anybody there, and I don't think it's going to bother me. I really like Trini. She had some good episodes, so I was sad to see her go, but they never gave the Yellow Ranger a big enough role for it to be, like, devastating. Uh, right. I feel like the only characters they really put effort into were Tommy, Jason, and Kimberly. Everyone else just kind of were there. Uh, Billy, they put some effort yeah. into, uh, but like the the yellow and black ranger, they just never really put effort into them story-wise. Like they had stories, but they just never went super deep like they did the other characters. And then a red ranger fell in with them as the season progressed, as the show progressed. And it just right. became about the white, pink, and the blue ranger as long as Billy was still there. Uh, yes. But then he, he went away as well. Uh, eventually yeah he went he went away in zia so he stayed around for quite a while yeah uh, last new ranger we get is adam who was played by johnny young bosch and if you look up johnny young bosch you would be surprised how many work that he has been in that you know of uh 
two big ones off the top of my head. He is the voice of Bash the Stampede from Trigun. And he also did the voice for Dante in the Devil May Cry series. I didn't know that. So, like, yes, I just, just, yeah. He, yeah. He had a huge, um, he has a huge catalog of stuff he's done. It's insane. ton of anime work. Um, I think he was also the lead for Bleach, the lead character in Bleach, which is not an anime I'm super familiar with. Um, after we make this change, though, we're kind of winding towards the end of season two. Uh, Rita creates a love potion to make Lord Zed fall in love with her and also make her younger, uh, which they use the making her younger to explain an actress change. Smart. In the show. Yeah, it was, it worked. They're, you're already presenting me teenagers that have superhuman strength and superhuman abilities. You can really sell me on anything at this point. <laughs> and, uh, well, I should say you can't. There's about to be a part you can't sell me on we'll talk about. Um, but they combine they combine forces in the end of like season two, and they're going to work together to destroy the Rangers. Now we've kind of got to get into some outside politics stuff of the Power Rangers. The end of season two was also supposed to be a bridge into the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie uh, that released. Uh, so let's talk about the movie for a second. I loved the outfit. Like the Power Ranger suits looked so cool because they looked more like armor instead yeah. of just like spandex. Yes, there there was definite definite quality upgrade uh, yeah. for the movies. Yeah, they were getting that they were getting that actual Fox money, not yeah. just uh, general stuff there. The other big one was the introduction of the villain Ivan Ooze, who has one of my favorite lines in the whole movie when he is destroying the command center. And he says, all the things I have missed, the Black Plague, the Spanish Inquisition, and the Brady Bunch reunion. <sighs> I hated Ivan. I... I... <laughs> I, oh man, like I remember that line, but at the same time, I'm like, man, I kind of hated that line. But it is a memorable, <laughs> weird thing. It's the way it's the way he's selling it as he's destroying stuff that to yeah. me makes it so memorable. I'm just like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, the other character when they have to go try to get their powers back. Um. Man, the woman on the planet, I can't remember her name. That outfit was way too sexy for a kid's movie. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. It was very uh, Xena, Warrior Princess, uh, sort of Amazon, Wonder Woman yep. type outfit. Yep. Uh, but I love what she ended up giving them. Like their yes. their ninja stuff was like yep. badass. The power of the ninjetti were yeah. so great. Okay, so we'll quit talking about the movie for a second. Basically, we've just told you the big things. They get Power of the Ninjetti. We get Ivan News introduced with his Tengu Warriors, which were humanoid birds, which were fucking horrifying. 
Yes. Because it basically looks like they killed everybody, or they think they've killed everyone when they report back to Ivan Ooze. And we all know that's not the case because you can't keep a good ranger down. <laughs> um, I didn't like the swords in the movie as much because it was just so heavy on the CGI. And this isn't a day yeah. the CGI was not great. It, it does uh, hold up on rewatch. Yeah. Uh I think it differed too much like the the from what we're used to in the show mm-hmm. uh for for worse uh like wa- rewatching Power Rangers now like the the zords look like the toys that we played with for the most yep. part um so then in the movie when they don't look like the toys we play with it just came across as weird or it just yes. wasn't memorable because it's just like um I don't and then they released toys for it that didn't look like the toy. So it was like a disconnect from, yep. you know, like the toy that I bought for the TV show looked like the actual figure in the show. And then when I bought the toys for the movie, it just didn't compare. No. Uh, and that always messed with me. Right. I can remember the kid not being disappointed in it, but as an adult looking back, I guess criticizing it too much, being an adult criticizing Power Rangers, I suppose. It bothers me. Um, mm-hmm. And this created an issue because, like, we're talking about the huge differences here. Uh, Fox and, and Saban could not agree on how to proceed with season three, introducing these movie characters the way they did. Fox technically maintained the rights to all Power Ranger movie stuff, but the show was still in control of Saban. So Fox wasn't going to let Saban use the Tangu warriors and they're not going to have these awesome new outfits that look like armor instead of just spandex. So the show writers have to explain why things are different in the show compared to what people saw in the movie. Um, and so basically like if you're me, you're, if you're going to create a movie based on a show, it needs to be canon. Technically the mighty Morphin power Rangers movie is not canon which is why Ivan Ooze is never mentioned or anything like that ever in the series. Yeah, they they basically just, none of that existed at that point. And it was just like, which, how did you feel about, like we talked about the Zords, but like the the animals shifted as well uh, towards the end of that movie, right? Then they go from dinosaurs to animals. Well, they went from the... uh... Like the medieval kind of stuff, like the lion, the griffin, the unicorn, into the mm-hmm. ape, the frog, the bear. The yeah, yeah. I didn't mind the shift as much once it was explained in the series instead of the movie. Um, okay. I just remember the falcon sword was so badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lion it's funny. I... Rockets. Yeah, it's funny. As we're talking about this, like I had to type in because uh, I know we're talking about toys and stuff later, but I just remember the the McDonald's tie in toys mm-hmm. uh, for them. Uh, I, I just remember those and I'm at them right now. And I'm just like, I remember having all those and begging my parents to go to McDonald's multiple times. Uh, <laughs> but then also looking at the designs, I'm like, I think this is why I hate the Red Ranger, because I just didn't like the design for his 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 sword and all that stuff. Awful. His sword was yeah. So I think that's where my like hatred almost for like where the Red Ranger went ended up. 
do you, uh, you can continue talking about the movie and we'll talk about the movie. Uh, no, no, I, afterwards. Was, I, was, I was done with the movie at that point. I was just going to be uh, season three. Okay. Let's just talk a little bit about like the movie. Do you remember seeing it in theaters? Yes. Like, do you remember that experience? And like, was it like opening weekend and all sorts I of things like that? Say, I would say at the time I didn't understand what opening weekend was. But mm-hmm. I feel like if it wasn't the weekend it came out, it was the week it came out um, that we went and saw it. Because I begged my mother to go see this in theaters. Um, there have been two movies that I think I have begged her to see in theaters. This one and the first Pokemon movie were the two mm, movies I okay. had, like, Mom, we have to go see these. I didn't have to convince her very hard to go see like The Lost World or any of the Jurassic Parks because she was pretty much on board for those. But like, if it was a, basically a movie that only I was going to enjoy, it was like, please take me. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so I remember, uh, I went with my mom cause she was the only one I was going to be willing to take me to go see the movie. Right. And I, I, I saw it with her, but it was, we got there too early and she didn't want to just wait. So we ended up going into the, our theater room, when the movie was in the last 20 minutes and I remember we, we sat down, watched it and I basically saw the ending, the last 20 minutes of the movie. And then I remember being like, that was a really good episode, mom. We can go now. And my mom's like, no, 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 no. That was just the ending. We're going to watch the rest of the movie again because I didn't want to wait in the lobby or something. So I ended up seeing the movie one and a half times, like (laughs) the opening weekend, basically. Uh, And I remember the theater being super empty. Like the movie did pretty well box office wise for the time and for like the production of that movie. But I remember the theater being pretty empty, uh, which is why my mom and it was one of those theaters that they didn't have any arcade games or anything like that. So once you were in the theater, it was just like, you just go sit in the theater that you were supposed to be in. So I ended up seeing the ending of the movie and it was just long enough that I was like, that was a good episode of power Rangers. (laughs) And then when I, when I watched the whole thing, right. Didn't quite click that. It was a, uh, hour and a half long instead of just a 30 minute episode because of what we had grown accustomed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I remember enjoying it, liking it. And I think we got McDonald's afterwards and I ended up getting the toy uh, back when you could ask the McDonald's people, like, I want a Red Ranger. And then they would actually get you the proper toy, or at least the McDonald's I went to. Like, if there's a specific toy you want, they would check for you and then give to you, uh, which I know they cracked down on eventually. But there was a golden era for McDonald's, or at least the McDonald's I went to, to where if I was like, oh, I want the Red Ranger toy. And then they'd be like, OK, we'll go grab it. And then they'd just go in a big box and grab the specific toy I wanted. Yeah. Uh, so, so I remember getting a Happy Meal like right after the movie uh, with my mom, <laughs> and and just putting it in my Power Ranger wrestling wrestling GI Joe collection of toys. <laughs> uh, I remember. I think it was Burger King, McDonald's, but it was. Uh, no, no, it was McDonald's. Uh, my grandmother went in and we got the Happy Meal. She knew I'd want the rest of them, so she asked them how much she would have to pay to get the other ones, like what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And they're like, sorry, we can only sell them with a Happy Meal. She's like, well, will you give me one of each if I get five Happy Meals? And they kind of look around, and they're like, I guess if you're going to buy five Happy Meals, we'll do that. 
So I would eat on some McDonald's French fries that day. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want the rest of the stuff. I just wanted all of those fries. So I think hey. we had leftover McDonald's in the fridge for a couple days. Oh, and that would have been back then where the only option was a cheeseburger or a hamburger. What cheeseburger <laughs> for Happy Meals? Choice. Okay, okay, because I remember for a while there was that was like the only thing you can get is like the cheeseburger, or the hamburger. <laughs> yeah, with your McDonald's meal. Yeah, I think four piece nuggets were around then. They didn't have all the health options yet, but we were getting close to that. Um, yeah. So moving into season three, after we've had this huge spat between Saban and Fox, um, they introduced the character Rito Revolto, which is Rita's Ugh. brother. God, he looked awful. He was like a nasty looking skeleton with an army helmet. Yeah, I loved and hated his design. I think I was more just like his name just was just so I hated, bad. I hated the fact that even though he was Rita's brother, they didn't have the same last name and they looked nothing alike. Other. Yes, not nothing, nothing alike. He was camo as well, right? Yes. Like yes, he was he like was. a skeleton with the army helmet and he was in green camo. He was like right? greenish brown camo. Yeah. More more on God, the God, awful design. Green. Yeah, very terrible design. Airbrushed Helen back, but you know. Um he arrives and does something that Zed and Rita have not been able to do. He actually destroys the Thunder Zords, destroys the Power Rangers' ability to morph completely. Uh your typical vision quest type thing ensues where these powerless rangers find Ninjor, who was like a blue ninja, literally. He looked like Alpha 5 on steroids kind of thing. Uh, he is the creator of the Power Tunnel Coins, and he, in the series, is the one that gives them the power of the Ninjeti um, so that they still get their cool ninja costumes from the movie and TV show. Um, the funny thing with the ninja outfits, though, was that allowed them to film the new content with the American cast they weren't having to go to japan and say like hey we need more footage yeah you could cut them out basically for right. for the footage stuff yeah, well for for most of the footage i think it still used a lot of that for the zords and stuff like that but yeah yeah but that would involve them having like the cast for the power rangers also be uh there so it was just just the big zord stuff <laughs> was yep. filmed over there and uh in season three, we also get introduced to the character uh, Catherine, uh, an Australian transfer student uh, that has a huge crush on Tommy. She definitely pushes Kimberly out of the picture, and we think it's just because she wants that Tommy, but secretly she's under a Rita spell, much like Tommy was in the Green with the Evil arc. She steals Kimberly's power coin. Because of the ninja powers being tied toward to the life force of the ranger, this almost kills Kimberly, which I thought was really intense for a kid's show, looking back on that we were dealing with life and death. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty intense for, for a kid's show for most of that stuff. Uh, how did you feel about the the actor or the character specifically? Uh, of Catherine, I did not like her in the OG Power Rangers. I grew to like her when the Zeo Rangers kicked. Yeah, I, I, I feel like 
when she had Kimberly's outfit, it didn't quite work for her. Mm-hmm. Or for whatever reason, she just didn't look natural in it. It wasn't until the next iteration of the Power Rangers that, like, it she felt more comfortable in the cast, at least in my eyes of just, like, as a kid, just being like, I think it's because she was trying to be Kimberly in terms of, like, here's Kimberly's old outfits and stuff like that. It was, she just looked out of place. And it wasn't until she got her own costume that was meant for her that I felt like she fit in with the cast. And at that point, most of the cast is new and it's like a whole new set of Rangers for the most part. Yeah, I mean, uh, from Zeo, from from Mighty Morphin to Zeo, the only Ranger that transfer over is Tom. Yeah. So everybody else is, is brand new by that point. Uh, Billy is still in Zio, but not Ranger in Zio. Uh, yeah. The Catherine character, uh, basically, like we saw before, snaps out of the spell. Um, but this sets us up similar to what they did with the original three when the peace conference happens. Uh, Kimberly, who we've known as an amazing gymnastics through the whole series, gets a chance to compete in the Pan American Games and decides to transfer the pink power coin to Cat, um, like we were just talking about. I think it's funny how a lot of the times when these transfers happen, a random character either discovers the identity or becomes close to the Rangers, and then that's how we get a transfer off. I mean, that's like the only real way to do it. I mean, in reality, if this was a real thing, Zordon and Alpha would just kill whoever discovered the Power Rangers. Yes, we uh, realize the Power Rangers would probably kill whoever discovered the Power Rangers. Yeah, it would just be instant. Just like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't let you know this. Uh, so I like the idea of like, if you are smart enough or clever enough to find out about them, eh, you can join up. <laughs> Yeah, but we only have so many colors that we yep. we can give in uniform, so someone else has to leave to join the Olympics or the the, the Pan America Games or yep. go to a peace conference. I wish they gave better excuses on why they have to leave or something, because I feel like there's no there's never resolution, or it never feels complete when a character is just like, oh, I'm gonna go do a thing. It just never feels like there's urgency. Like a reason, a real reason for them to leave. Like, yeah, when uh, the previous three left, it was for a peace conference or something. Yeah, and Switzerland. Yeah, that sounds like a weekend. You know, yeah. like the idea that they're like, I'm transferring coins, never coming back because I'm going to a, a, a fucking conference uh, for the weekend. It, it seems kind of weird, and like Kimberly never coming back really until we'll talk about uh, because she wants to go to like the summer games basically you know it's just like they can probably deal with having four people <laughs> like on the team right uh so i i always had mixed feelings when characters would leave because it's like oh no they're they're gonna be gone that they're not coming back the reason amy joe wanted to leave though she did not feel safe on the set after the movie um, apparently there was a close call on the set with fire that kind of shook her and she wanted out. So that was her reason. 
which makes sense because yeah. it was like non-unionized so they probably didn't have like proper insurance and stuff like that so probably time to to bail at that point and she made enough of a name the disney channel original movie suzy q probably did okay for whatever they were looking for so yep. probably a good time for her to leave and at that point i, I wonder how old she would have been she probably would have been like 20 mid-20s or something like that by then so i i did not look into a timeline age-wise on any of these but i can definitely see that being the case the other uh thing i forgot to mention so i'm gonna talk about them so the other three actors um the original red black and yellow ranger when they left they had enough footage that they had recorded that they went eight episodes without the actors there before yeah. the, the transfer actually happened well, because if you think about it, uh, an average American show is like 22 minutes. Kid shows tend to be even less than that because there's even more commercials to sell toys. I think on Netflix, most of the 21 episodes, uh, it's like a 30 minute show, 21 minutes of television. Yeah. And I think there's some episodes that I was watching on Netflix that were like barely hitting the 20 minute mark. Yep. So the idea that they banked enough footage isn't the craziest thing because like a good seven minutes of that footage was probably footage that they got from Japan. So yep. in reality, and then Bulk and Skull would have like scenes for them. So there was like another minute or two eaten by them and probably another two minutes for just Alpha and Zordon. Yep. So like in reality, they only needed to shoot like five ish minutes of <laughs> The Power footage. Rangers? Yep. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, there was one arc that occurs in season three. Season three is one where you definitely start seeing you definitely start seeing more of a story happening and moving through the episodes as a story instead of just individual arcs. Or each episode being its own compact thing. There's one where they go back in time and have like their ancestors and their cowboy rangers. Vaguely remember that. Yeah, it's a weird one. It is a one episode thing, but it was always interesting to me because they're back in time. I think it's Kimberly gets sent back in time. She uses the power coin to let the ancestors of the current rangers morph into like cowboy forms of themselves. But they get saved by the white stranger, which was just Tommy wearing a cowboy outfit. Jesus. So it was funny. It was one of those funny. Uh, to close out season three, though, we get introduced to the character Master Vile, who is going to become part of the big baddie. Uh, no, he doesn't become part of the big baddie. Never mind. He is just the big baddie for the transition series that happened it is rita and rita's father he's tired of the rangers being a problem he comes in um and turns the power rangers into kids so that they're not power rangers anymore zordon has to call in the mighty Morphin alien rangers which was like a 13 episode arc of these new rangers we hadn't seen before that were really weird aliens that had to drink water to maintain their power had to drink clean water maintain the powers <laughs> which was really weird because like that was how they kind of get defeated uh, right when the mighty Morphin Power Rangers gained their new power I always thought that was kind of weird how, yeah. how that broke out 
Like, how convenient you suddenly can't handle this when we now have Zeo Rangers. Perfect timing. Um, but that's basically, they use the Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers to transition into the next series after Mighty Morphin, which was Power Rangers Zeo. And I think for breakdown of the series talk, we'll stop there before we roll into Zeo and just kind of focus on the legacy that these first three seasons of Power Rangers have. Yeah, though I will say about the Zeo, since we won't talk about them really this episode, uh, I think despite this is kind of when I stopped watching around Zeo, they still had like mm -hmm. some of the best uniforms. Like, I really like the design of the Zeo Rangers. Yes, yes. I watched all the way through Rangers in Space. I did too, um, but like, I, I don't think it was like a religious viewing you know like i wasn't there like every saturday for it oh, i kind of fell off oh, around there but i would still watch yeah uh, it was still it was still must see tv for me until, until the end of space uh but i mean we get this show using i don't know how you want to describe the breakdown of this show of like hey this whole series has already been filmed in japan let's just replace the japanese actors with american actors but use all their action syncs it became a big thing in KISS television, though. Uh, you had yes. Beetleborgs, VR Troopers, um, Mask Rider, which was funny because Mask Rider was actually part of the Japanese Power Rangers. <laughs> and in the American version of the show, they basically explained him as being from the same planet as Zordon, which was kind of cool. Uh, an unfortunate thing it gave us, though, was the uh, the god-awful live-action TMNT, The Next Mutation, which is... Venus. Ugh. Yep, there you go. Venus de Milo. Yep. Uh, yep. The show was awful, but there was a great crossover with Power Rangers in Space. If you watch any Power Rangers in Space, watch that episode, or those two episodes. Man, just... I don't know if I can say it's a great episode, but it's definitely an interesting watch, if anything. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed the episode. I, I still will enjoy the episode, other than Venus being there. Yeah. Um, I always found it funny with the VR Troopers, specifically, how closely tied in together the VR Troopers were with the Power Rangers. Because you had, like I said, you had Tommy was originally supposed to be in VR Troopers. They didn't like uh, the fit he had in the pilot episode. So they moved him to Power Rangers. And I think that person that ended up being one of the VR troopers, like they didn't like the fit for him in Power Rangers. It was like a really weird, really close together thing going on there. Um, yeah. Beetleborgs bothered me because while I thought the Beetleborgs looked really cool and I would buy a lot of Beetleborgs action figures because they went really well with Power Ranger action figures. I hated the fact that Beetleborgs were these big, awesome, like robot bugs looking dudes, but the people that were the Beetleborgs were little-ass kids. Yeah, I, I would say that kind of always bothered me. I mean, it also had like a like a spooky mansion element to it as well. Um, yeah. In terms of like how they discovered their power, I thought that was always silly. Uh, and I always was uh, the, the Day Leno looking guy, Flabber. Was he Flabber? Yeah, yeah, that that's name? right. That's it. I, I don't know why I just always associate him with Jay Leno. <laughs> it's the chin. Because he just has like a big chin. Yep, uh, it's the chin. Yeah. It's, 
the weird monster element of Big Bad Beetleborgs, I never really understood. And I know that was just a way to differentiate them from the Power Rangers. It's like, oh, what if there's like mummies and Dracula or like vampires? I don't know why I said Dracula. What if, what if there's, you know, vampires and mummies involved uh, and like Frankenstein monsters too? It was a weird mix. They, it's like they just threw everything they could. It did have like a banger of a theme song. Yep. Though. It did. Uh, I mean, that, almost all of these had amazing things. That, Yes. Uh, oh man, love that theme song. It's in my head right now. I don't uh, sing, so I, I won't. It, oh, but man. It's so great. The, the toy marketing machine that was Power Rangers. We've talked about it already. You had a big line of like twelve-inch figures that were every Power Ranger and a couple of the villains. You had the six-inch Power Rangers, then you had the six-inch Power Rangers with the flip heads that had, like, their uh, the actor's face, kind of the actor's face. As much as you head. could. Yeah, as much as you could. You had hoodies that had different looks. You had almost all the villains come out, get an action figure. And then you had sets where you could buy the weapons and they came with this like pretty hard like bendy plastic on them they were Mm -hmm. not to size at all but they came in a complete pack of five so you had all of them if you bought the pack they could form into uh the weapon you had morphers i remember i don't remember if you remember mighty mac like the little boy version of polly pockets Kinda, yeah. I did have the Power Ranger versions of those, and that, it had the that's that's what I needed you to get to the Zordon set. Yep, the, the, there right? Zordon set. Yeah, there was a Zordon set. I had one that was the Pink Rangers Morpher, that when you opened mm-hmm. it up was an action scene that you could play in inside the. Morpher. Yes, yeah. I I think I had one or two of those. Man, I'm so pissed that I didn't treat my toys well enough, and that my parents didn't keep them because I yeah. I I had a good chunk of these. I never collected the 12 inch figures just because I didn't like how big they were. I always collected the six inch ones because the G.I. Joe's were six inch and the X-Men toys were six inch. So then I would do like weird crossovers. Yes, I have. Uh, a but complete, there's so many. Yeah, I have a complete set of the. Inch. They're not in the greatest shape, though. Um, and then I have the complete set of the morpher, the flip head morphers. Again, not in the greatest of shape. Um, the biggest one that I had always focused on collecting was the Megazords. And by the time I knew I wanted these toys, the original Megazord was out of production. So the first one I got was the Thunder Zord and the White Tiger Zord. So that's kind of where I started collecting. And then, like I said, it was probably about six or seven years ago, I ran across an old couple uh, that their older son had passed away, and he had a huge collection of Power Rangers toys. And uh, they had actually called into GameStop asking if we took stuff like that. And I was like, no, we don't. But uh, a local comic shop may. They're like, we've already talked to him, and he's lowballing us really bad. He was only going to give them like $400 for everything they had. But I said, let me come look, and I can give you some prices on stuff. In the box with the receipt from a Detroit KB Toys was the original Megazord and the Dragon Sword. Wow. Yeah, I. if you go online and you look at them, you would see people listing them at like two to $300. 
but when you look at what they were actually selling for, it was falling in like the $80 range, mm-hmm. 80 to $100 range. And I offered her like 80 bucks for both of them. So I gave her $160 and got both of them. So I now have in the box the Dragon Zord and the original Megazord. Nice. And, and you don't open your with... stuff? Oh, no, I do. I do. Okay. But because okay. this still had the box and the styrofoam, mm-hmm. I store them in the box. Like, if I get them oh, out okay, and okay, mess okay. with them, I'll put them back in the box. Um, my other Megazords are heavily used. And I think the only ones that held up real well were the Space Rangers, because it wasn't like a multi-part Zord. And then the Turbo Rangers, because for some reason, I don't tear up car toys. So those are the ones probably in the best condition of of the Ranger sets I have. Um, It has been interesting for me to watch, since I do have a lot of these original toys. They have basically, in the past five years, release what they call a legacy collection which has been basically the exact same toys coming out with maybe some metal pieces and looking shinier mm-hmm. GameStop when GameStop decided to become ThinkGeek has been notorious for having these in their stores um, just everywhere, random ones everywhere the funny thing is, is while I think a lot of the Zords in the Legacy Collection are going for like 75 bucks, that are high-end for you to be buying repurposed or repackaged stuff, they're still cheaper than trying to buy the OG plastic. Because Yeah. I, I tried looking up some of the old stuff because I started to collect again now that I have like space and like I told my girlfriend that I collect toys. <laughs> You know, like, right. you know, I'm like, I'm collecting toys again. I, I, I looked up some of the Power Rangers stuff, but I specifically wanted the stuff from my childhood. And that stuff is so expensive that I looked into the newer, better looking stuff. You know, like, right. let's be honest, they, they look better because uh, it's higher quality. You know, the face stuff actually looks like the actors for the most part, you know, when they do mm-hmm. license the actors. But yeah, you're right. It's. It, getting the original stuff is is quite expensive or you have to get like a super beat up uh version of that stuff so i just kind of stayed away from the power rangers toys collecting now as an adult just because there's so many uh yeah like i wish i i kept that the only stuff that i have is like a good chunk of the wrestling toys i had but like all my x-men all my gi joe all the power ranger stuff that's like gone to time right uh so, but I would love to collect that stuff again, but I would have to collect the stuff from my childhood just because it I would have more nostalgia for it. But yeah, the the prices on like the older stuff is crazy. And it's it was mass produced. So it's not like there's like a scarcity factor with the old stuff. It's just as they keep re-releasing stuff, it just makes the older stuff more valuable, despite there being like a plentiful stock of it out in the wild. Yep. You just gotta, you gotta know where to look, and you. I mean, honestly, a lot of people that still are still have that stuff don't know the value of it. But if you talk to them, you can either let them know that they can make a lot of money, or you can get a great deal on it, depending on how you want to approach the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can remember I paid them that, and then I got a call the next morning, and like this will be one of these super feely moments because like it was something me and my grandfather did. My grandfather had passed away when I was twelve, so like completing this set to me 
was like emotional closure kind of thing. Um, I get a call the next morning from the people I bought it from, and they were like, oh, yeah, we kind of need those back. We feel like you kind of cheated us. So I'm talking to the husband, and I'm like, okay, if that's how you feel, I'll bring it back. And, like, I'm on the verge of tears. I'm, like, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the wife calls me back and goes, listen, we know – I know you're not here trying to make money off of them. You're going to sell them. You're going to keep them um, for, for, you know, the reason that you wanted. Sweetheart, you just keep them. Like I told her, thank you. And I'm crying as I tell her, thank you. She goes, I didn't think they meant that much to her. And then that's when I explained the story to her about my grandfather. She goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry we even called you. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, And it sounds like you gave him a pretty good deal. Like you're realistic with. Yeah, I gave you buy it. I I gave you what a buy it now would be. Yeah. I'm not giving you what a bidding war would be. Um, and that, that's the thing that annoys me most. It's just like, I remember being able to pick up toys at like yard sales and thrift stores as a kid and, mm-hmm. you know, getting like a reasonable price for it. But like the internet has ruined yard sales and thrift stores for the most part, because people are just, completely. uh, I, I see it all the time with like the, like the richer people in my neighborhood, uh, white people, uh, that will have a yard sale and they'll have almost MSRP price on their stuff in their yard sale. And it's just like, that's not how a yard sale works. And it always frustrates me. Um, and same thing at thrift stores to where like, I used to like going to thrift stores and like hunt for like old toys or just like random nostalgia stuff. But then it's all ruined. And now you just kind of have to hunt on eBay because the people at a thrift store or a, a yard sale are going to have unreasonable prices for their stuff. and it always frustrates me uh because like you think chicago would be really great you know the density of people that are here that i could like get some good yard sale or or thrift stores deals but it's not the case i think i I need to like travel out to like the suburbs or some other states that are more like barren to like find a deal but like i'd say here uh, in the south if you can find one that wasn't put in a sandbox at least once or twice in its life you're doing good yeah yeah no o- over here everyone's like marking their stuff up to like though i i forgot what what toy store i went to uh where they didn't have any prices on their their items you would basically give the price you would bring up the item you wanted to the counter and then they would pull up ebay and then look at like the highest the item sold and then be like that's how much it is. And I remember just being super frustrated and being like, that's a horrible way to do this. And just like leaving the store, even if yeah. like the, the price was reasonable. Yeah. I would never want to pay the top dollar at all. No, no, uh, it's, it's, it's not worth it in general, especially when you're trying to mass collect stuff, you know, like you're, yep. you're, you're probably trying to complete sets, you know, so paying top dollar for pieces, it's just, it's not reasonable. And also we know what the stuff's actually kind of worth, you know, like yeah. not going to get penalized for overpaying. Like right now I'm, I, I, I'm specific, specifically collecting uh, a certain type of toy and I'm being very frugal when I do pull the trigger on it. Like I'm trying to collect Cyclops from X-Men toys. Okay. So I was about to say uh, your Cyclops cool. Yeah. Which, which is now up to like six or seven things, but I'm very strategic with it. And I also pick Cyclops cause he's not a popular character for some reason. Uh, so that I know there's not a thousand toys. Like if I was trying to collect Wolverine or power Rangers, I know I'd be 
in this fight for the rest of my life right. of trying to collect everything. Uh, yeah. So it's been, I, I've been watching the toy market more and more uh, like watching the toys that made us that have a really good power Rangers episode uh, or like listening to like the Zack Ryder, uh, uh, Kurt Hawkins podcast uh, oh, for action figures. Yes. Yeah. I forgot. Uh, their, their actual Before names. Known as. Yeah, I, um, I so I've been like in the toy market now, just like looking at prices, and then sorry, this is like a long like tangent, but like just looking at like Power Rangers toys because once you start collecting, you start looking around like, okay, what other toys did I have? And that's when I like dove into like the Power Ranger toys of just like how much would the head transforming Power Rangers real realistically cost me if I wanted all of them? Yeah, and then seeing how much and being like, not worth it, but yeah. kind of worth it. <laughs> yeah you can get the reprints uh for like i think they're like 15 bucks at gamestop and they're the exact same yeah cast so it's like one of those things where yes yeah, some people are going to put a premium because they are the original but it's still like uh maybe 20 bucks tops is what you're going to get realistically for them yeah um but you're talking about overpriced power ranger memorabilia and i can't think of anything more overpriced than some of the super nintendo games that power ranger had yeah, I have fond memories of the games, but not because they were good, just because they were Power Rangers related and I was seven. Yeah. Um, I really liked the... So I can only speak to the Super Nintendo ones because that's the system I had. But both of them were like side-scroller beat-em-up. And I remember the second one was basically called Power Rangers the Movie. So it was more of the actors or the characters on the screen looked more like the movie versions of the characters. Mm -hmm. And me and my mother would sit there and play those to completion probably once or twice a week. We were like, oh, we're going to sit down and beat them. So we we would play through them. Um, I, if I remember correctly, on the Sega, instead of being side scroller beat em ups, they were fighting games. Yeah, I believe yeah. there were some side scrolling ones on. The Genesis, but yeah, they were mostly fighting games. Um, yeah. Because uh, Sega it, was known for that Street Fighter. Yeah, because it was... Um, I, I Luckily, my brother had a SNES and a Genesis, so all this, the, the games kind of blend together for me. But I have right. fond memories of you know going to Blockbuster and getting my one monthly rental because video game rentals were more expensive than movies and usually yeah. always getting a Power Ranger game. Uh, so all the games kind of blend and it would be like whatever, like my brother would get a new Genesis game. So then it's like, oh, cool. I have access to the Super Nintendo because he's just going to be focusing on his Genesis. Right. So I would have to like live off Blockbuster rentals. So all the Power Rangers games kind of blend in yeah. together there's, for me. There's one that was not for... The Mighty Morphin series. It was Zeo Battle Racers, and it was Power Rangers Mario Kart. And it is not a well-loved game on the internet, but I remember having so much fun playing that game as a child. Went and to you go don't know that copy. exists? Uh, yeah, I went to pick up a copy of it, and it is way more expensive to buy than I ever would want to pay for it. Um... But really, after the Super Nintendo, any Power Ranger game went way downhill in quality. Really, until we got the newest release that is on the current gen of consoles, which is a fighting game called Battle for the Grid. 
which you have talked about a lot on your podcast. And when it finally hit Game Pass, I picked it up, and it is a well-put-together fighting game. I just want more Power Rangers. Yeah, that was the only disappointing thing with that game. They they added a lot of characters because there's like two seasons worth of content now. Oh. I think they're on the third season. But the pricing structure for that was just a little weird because I think the game, the value was like low enough, but then you'd have to buy like season passes that cost almost the same amount of the game, if yeah. not more. But once you have like everything for that game, it is, it's a really fun team-based fighter. I, I like, I love it. And the, the level of detail, cause it kind of ties in with the, the comic storyline or it's like a retelling mm-hmm. of the comics that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, it looks great. It just had a weird development, you know, like there was no voice acting until like three to six months into the game. Uh, so you got like, three to six yeah. Months in the game. Yeah. You, you luckily got it on game pass after like a year of it being out. So you got like the best version of mm-hmm. this game. Uh, and it's definitely one of those things where if it ever leaves game pass, you're probably going to just buy it. Like I would imagine. Once it goes on sale. Yes. Yeah. I, I'll, uh, honestly, I'm probably going to wait till I get a switch get up on my switch whenever i get it because that's definitely yeah. one of those that i i can enjoy in short bursts of times and when i get a switch i feel like that's what i want to be able to do on my switch yeah and it's got cross play and all that stuff which yep. it's, it's a really good game uh now it's a good game if you get on sale with yeah. all the dlc yeah pretty solid like i said the comics um this is really for me where i i started deep diving into to Power Ranger mythos, so to speak. Like, I'd always been a fan of the series, but I really started diving deep into these comics. Uh, There was a comic series that ran in the 90s that was done by Marvel, but did not get a whole lot of fanfare. They weren't deep at all. No, and the 90s were kind of a weird time for comics. Um, If it wasn't a graphic novel, it didn't seem like people really cared. And if people couldn't profit off of it, people didn't care because the nineties is where we had that comic crash yep. where there was variants and people were only buying comics if they felt they can make money off of it, which ended up crashing the industry. So we got a bunch of tie-in comics that were just kind of lazily put together. I know the people that actually wrote and drew them put effort into it, but it just didn't seem like something you can take serious. I remember reading a couple of the comics and I just felt like they were pizza hut comics. If that makes sense to you, if you understand, like I know exactly what I mean, the the little thing, the little comic books you would get from pizza Hut when you got your pizza since pizza toys. Yeah. It 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 reminded me of pizza hut comics, man. It's crazy. When you say stuff like that, memories that come flooding back, like when somebody else brings up something like that, um, I I think about the X Men Pizza Hut comics and yep. <laughs> all that stuff. Uh, but Boom Comics uh, is the publisher. Uh, 2016, it came. They released at a good time. It released when the new reboot of the movie came out. But since the reboot of the movie was kind of panned, fair unfair. I still enjoyed the movie. It was missing a few elements, but there was still enough in there that I was like, yeah, this is awesome. It's got Elizabeth Banks in it. How can you hate that? It's also got Jason David Frank and Amy Johnson in it. Amy Jo in it. So in scene where they pan out and show all the citizens there, the front two citizens in the middle of the screen. 
that was my fanboy moment when I was watching the movie. I was like, oh, shit, it's him. It's him. <laughs> um, they pull directly from the source material of the Mighty Morphin series, but they really bring the characters to life in a world that feels much more complete. The Power Rangers aren't just about saving Angel Grove. That's where they're based out of, but they're literally traveling the world in the comics. So it really mm-hmm. makes the Rangers feel more like a worldwide phenomenon instead of just California. Um, one of the things that brought these comics to mainstream attention is there was a TV spot where you have all these flashes of the Power Rangers shows from back in the day. And the last scene, there's this throne. looks like the White Ranger is sitting on the throne. When it pans around, you see that it's Jason David Frank, older, um, looks like he has scarring on his face. You notice that it's not the White Ranger outfit. It looks like a combination of the two. And it just says they could have been God. And then it brings up the broken um, Power Ranger logo and says Shattered Grid. That was a big arc they did, and that Shattered Grid is the storyline for Battle of the Grid. Um, mm-hmm. In a nutshell. The moment I saw Jason David Frank wearing like White Ranger spandex again, I was like, if this is not about to become a Netflix series, you need to get the fuck out of here. You cannot play with my emotions like this. Feel like we're a couple years away from getting like that dark Power Rangers thing that we want. Legend of the White Dragon. Um, it is a film that Jason David Frank, Bat and the Sun, and the other Rangers are actually making now. They hit their Kickstarter goals. Mm-hmm. But it is basically a dark retelling of Power. So it looks a lot like Power Rangers, but since they can't call it Power Rangers, they're making little changes. Just something to put on the radar for you there. Yeah, I might need to look into that. Because Saban owns the Power Rangers again, right? Like he he purchased them back from Disney? Power Rangers now. Hasbro owns it. Okay, so Saban sold it. So Hasbro totally has incentive to maybe... Has- look into doing some dark stuff if they wanted to. Hasbro is looking at doing a, a, a reboot of the reboot and try to go more back towards the original source material. Yeah, I, I think the best bet for them would be to contact like an HBO. They probably can't go back to Disney because that was like a dark time for the Power Rangers where like Power Rangers were in Disney parks and but never quite fit in with everything. I was like. Uh, was it like a 10 year period? That the Disney owned them. It was like in the late two thousands to like the like yeah that was early two ten twenty tens paying attention at all yeah uh, oh I just looked it up that Disney owned it from two thousand two to two thousand ten and then Saban bought it back from them and then in twenty eighteen he sold it to Hasbro so like I feel like Hasbro I think there would be an interest in like a dark Netflix version of the power rangers especially if they take what's going on with boom comics who boom comics is doing a great job with like their licensed properties like their buffy and firefly comics are great yeah um Um, hasbro knows how to take their properties and turn them into successful movie franchises uh regardless of how people felt about the transformers movies they made buckets of cash yeah I just don't know if Power Rangers works for a movie. That's my thing. I think it needs a show. I think a show works better for the format, but if you were to take 
Like, I think the Boom comic series, if you were to take the storyboards from the Boom comic series and make a movie out of that, I think you're onto something there because they, they're they much more consistent across the board storytelling-wise when they're talking about them. Um, if you, for anyone listening, if you haven't, try to look into this Boom comic series because, like I said, I'm, I, I, I just recently stopped buying them because my local closed and i just didn't feel like committing 50 bucks for 12 issues to get them shipped to me because mm-hmm. I, I just I, I couldn't bring myself to do that because i i have to see it before i buy it i'm not one of those that likes to buy comics and get them shipped to me because you never know what kind of shape they're going to arrive to you at yeah and that's a problem i have um it is it was like i would go every month every wednesday of release i would go and pick up my comics and then there was a ton of spinoffs. Um, the comics actually, Boom Comics actually explains what the Rangers were doing, like the three that left for the peace conference. They explain what happened. They make up a mm-hmm. story for those three so that we don't lose those three characters in the comic world. They just change direction on what they're doing. Um, same thing with uh, Kimberly. She got her own six-part series that they did separate from everybody else, which was really cool. And there is a graphic novel which was done by Boom. It really doesn't tie into what Boom's doing with the comics. It's more of like a closing piece for the TV series, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. That basically, like, imagine Old Man Logan, but Old Man Tom. And it was really good. Yeah, I need, I need to probably get into those shows. Or not the shows, the comics. Just I I got out of comics because they get expensive. They get expensive. Very, very. This is the only comic that actually has me considering doing digital comics. Mm -hmm. Just because, like you said, they get so expensive, and like the storage space to keep paper comics is getting a little ridiculous. Yes. So I'm kind of like I might go digital for these. Do you have? Yeah, might be worth it. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on like this era of Power Rangers? No, I think we covered everything. Uh, like it, I just—it's one of those franchises that I just like hold close to the heart. You know, the nostalgia factor is real. It was like a huge part of my childhood. You know, it's like uh, before video games, I kind of took over. Uh, it was like Power Rangers and X Men were like the things that I cared about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and eventually I grew away from them. But it was definitely one of those things. Even as a teenager. Uh, I would click on Disney XD and be like, oh, what are the Power Rangers up to? You know, like watch an episode. Uh, So it's always definitely been one of those things that have been around all the time, even if I like don't like seriously watch it or anything. Uh, And like I checked in on the comics when those were going around because I remember they did like a cool trailer for the comics, which I didn't even know comics did trailers. But that's right. You know. I remember when that was going around uh, and then like the video game definitely sparked my interest back in it. Uh, so uh, Power Rangers is just one of those things where, you know, it's, it's, it's that, it's that property that's just always kind of been hovering around and like to check in and see that it's still going pretty strong. You know, there's a new generation of kids that like Power Rangers, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. It, it makes it a lot easier to talk to people in public about it. Be real honest. So yeah. Like I said, man, I uh, they could tell me there's a special episode happening where old Rangers are coming back. I'm gonna tune in to watch that episode. 
Um, I can vividly remember back during Power Rangers Lost Galaxy, which was, I had stopped watching at that point. They had an episode called Forever Red, where they brought back all the Red Rangers from previous seasons. Mm -hmm. So you had your Jason, you had Tommy, you had TJ from Turbo, Andros from Space. You had all these guys coming back, and it was like a nostalgia trip to watch that. Uh, during the time frame of, um, I want to say it was Super Mega Force, they did a throwback episode where a ton of the Rangers came back and uh, made appearances. There's a few episodes where uh, Adam came back as the original Black Ranger and made some appearances. Uh, just tons of stuff like that. And then I think uh, just uh, I think it's two years ago, I know the episodes on Netflix because I've watched it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. They did like a 25th anniversary episode where uh, a bunch of the old Rangers comes back, but Jason, David Frank, Tommy goes through and plays every one of his characters at like every Ranger he's ever been. He goes through and plays each and every one, mm. which I thought was really cool. Uh, but yeah, this is a, like you said, franchise that as a kid, it hooked me. And even as an adult, it's deep enough now the way my brain works i'll go through and dig through the mythos of power rangers like oh how do these rangers have their powers how do they connect to this ranger group where are the tie-ins different things like that way too much deep diving and i blame the comics for a lot of that of, of me digging into that stuff super excited to see where this can go forward uh and i know i'll be keeping my eyes on it near to the ground about any and all things mighty Morphin. Yeah. So, thank you all for listening to us talk about Power Rangers for probably longer than you ever thought people could talk about Power Rangers. Yeah, I tend to drag things out too. So, yeah, just uh, just so you guys know, um, since we haven't even scratched the surface on some of the other series, you may see some more Ranger episodes in the future. Not something we're going to commit to hard one way or the other. But just to know it's something that we might pull out of the bag uh, when Andy needs a break or when, like this week, I know, I think you said you were off on your recording this week. So we're like, yeah, let's do it. So that's how you got this episode. So keep an eye out for it. Uh, When we keep an eye out for all things too young to be this old, but you'll probably know where we are if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, If you want to let them know where they can find anything that they want to hear about you. Yeah, uh, you can find my video game podcast, Digital Days Gaming, uh, everywhere you get podcasts, uh, digitaldaysgaming.com. You can find all the links there. And then follow me on Twitter at the first MJC. Uh, fun to be on the show and not do a wrestling podcast because uh, I fell off of wrestling just a little bit. Uh, so I-, I like talking about non-video games, non-wrestling sometimes. So thanks for, for having me on uh, and help host the show while Andy is away. We got to force Andy yes. to read like the boom comics or something in the future. I, I've been trying. I've been trying so hard, but yeah, thank you guys. And y'all have a good day, night or evening, whenever you're listening to it. See ya.